<laughs> we're going to do the entire podcast in, in fake accents so that no one knows we're talking about sex. It's not me, Mum. I'm not talking about sex. No, no, no. What's someone sex? else. I'm not loud. So I've just, I've just got to tell you that I've shaved. I've washed my hair. I smell good. Vicky says I smell good. So I'm ready. Let's go. Oh, do you now? Oh, you dressed up for us, did you? Did you know you made the effort? Nice, do you not normally? Right, so there's there's the funny part for the beginning of the podcast. I've been planning that all day. Oh, have you? (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about that at random points in the day, how can I be funny? (laughs) What's the intro? Oh! Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with your hosts, Sarah Lawrence, Berenice Smith, and Michael Hughes. And if this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not By Choice community. And our aim is to be a focal point for the community and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and give a voice to the issues specific to us. And by example, show that a full and a happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. This episode was put together for World Childless Week, Childless and Intimacy Day. And if you have stumbled upon this episode and unaware of World Childless Week, then pop over to www.worldchildlessweek.net to find out all about it. And if you are here because of World Childless Week, then happy World Childless Week to you. The three of us were quite nervous about this episode. It may be our longest one yet. And I think we were all very courageous. And to do it justice, we kept the editing down to a minimum. But enough from me. Let's get this rolling. Congratulations, Sarah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Sarah. It's uh, really such... I feel so good for you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. People... Yeah. Good. You better say what it is you've won because people won't know. Oh, I know. Yes. No, I, I've, um, I've been very lucky. I've won the first ever people's champion for world childless week so the the lovely Steph that runs it all texted me and I had to reread it like five times I was going I said to my husband can you just read this for me I don't think I'm reading it right and he went no 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 it's real (laughs) so yeah it's amazing I was just like oh my god I, I had all these feelings you know I felt oh overwhelmed I was like oh my goodness I don't like the spotlight but oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so I'm just so I'm sort of I've walked I had um three beers to celebrate yesterday I was like oh my goodness so yeah I just feel very very loved and very warm and cuddly which is most unlike me because you know <laughs> don't really do cuddly but yeah you're gonna lose your feisty edge darling no 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 <laughs> but yeah so I suppose opportunity to say thank you to everyone that nominated me. I don't know who nominated me. I don't know what was said, but thank you. Really, really appreciate it. No, well, well deserved. Done. Well deserved. So, so well deserved. Just many huge congratulations. Feisty one that you, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feisty's gone back on because I don't do don't do tears. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> we can we can tell. There's kind of like a visible difference. We've got feisty, feisty Sarah and a nicely smelling Michael. And um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here, listeners, dear friends. I just turned up the usual way, um, as I always do. So, sorry, that's yeah. mildly disappointing, but there we are. Uh, yes. So, yeah, about sex, though. Mm. 
I'm nervous. Everyone goes quiet. I'm going yeah, to say I'm my nervous. bit now. I'm going to say the thing that I think is important about this, which is that everybody else, particularly in the Daily Mail comment section, seems to have an opinion about sex and childlessness. Don't they? You know, I think you always get it. And yeah, actually, we don't talk about it. We don't podcast. You know, God, what's this episode, whatever we're on, 30 something or another? <laughs> you know, and we kind of allude to it. You know, it obviously pops up um, in conversations. Um, we might have a laugh about it. We might just go, oh, yeah, walk away from it. And we're nervous about this episode as well. But actually, we don't talk about it enough. But everyone seems to have an opinion on it from whether you're doing it wrong, didn't start early or, or you know, um, offered to, to help. <laughs> charming um but yeah everyone else seems to have an opinion about it except us and i think that is just so bloody rude and insulting so telling as well isn't mm -hmm. it it's like yeah. a taboo within a taboo within a taboo isn't it it's kind of we've all said that we're a bit sort of like oh gosh a bit a bit uncomfortable with this but actually you know that i think we we all we've had comments and, and people asking us to cover certain topics and We've all sat there and read the comments gone, yeah, we chime with everything that's been said here in terms of how kind of worth and your 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 own image and how you feel about it is tied up with sex in a way. And it makes for it makes for an uncomfortable um, yeah, discomfort in yourself when you sort of you are childless not by choice, I think. Mm. Yeah, because actually when you think about it. I, I sound I feel like I'm going to be really insensitive and my apologies to anyone if I offend anybody listening but it's ultimately perhaps the reason why we're all here actually it's either medical physical or not meeting the person or meeting someone that you think oh no I don't think it's you it's ultimately the it's ultimately the, the sperm, the egg, the embryo, what happens to the embryo should one get that far. But actually, it's the bit of the, the sperm, the egg, the sex part, however that happens, whether it's within the body, in a laboratory, wherever that might be, in a petri dish, whatever, petri dish, petri dish, anyway, um, that, that's why ultimately, maybe we're all in this room in this space is it I don't know I mean there's lots of other complications there are but ultimately that is the bit which is sex ultimately a biological act that may or may not happen in some form yeah I'm trying to think through because I know when he's I wasn't the last time I saw Jodie but one of the first times I met her at the fertility fest and we were talking about the list the 50 ways not to be a mother with apologies to Paul Simon which is great go and find it um if you haven't read it before then to go and look at it but I remember her saying this was at Shepherd's Bush all those years ago and when I first met you Michael and she said it's not 50 anymore I think at the time she said it was 80 probably 100 I think she said since all these reasons and complications why but I think if you went through and distilled them all down it goes back to the thing that actually maybe we don't talk about enough I know that we're talking about it a lot more because this this episode is going out on World Childless Week's um, Childless 
and sexual intimacy day but actually that's the first as well mm. and five years of world childless week and it's the first time we've recorded an episode um i know jody's doing a webinar as well when this goes out on that day and it'll be back if you're if you're listening to this later you can go back and look on world childless week's website and the, it'll be recorded and posted up there so you can go and find it but again it's we're starting to have these conversations yeah but you can hear our discomfort can't you we're not our usual selves are we, we are not our usual selves we're not no. our usual selves and i just wanted to say to listeners as well we don't have a guest here we we made a decision because with, there's so many people doing some brilliant stuff out there and we've had lots we actually have had people contact us say they'd like to be a guest on this but we actually took a decision um last month when we did our last sort of admin thing we do we do we do do admin um chats um which are much easier actually um, than this one and we um made the decision that for our own comfort and our own kind of just riffing this out seeing how it went we just do it between the three of us because we thought actually we'd be a little bit more comfortable with it as well but mm. yeah we're all a little bit uncertain i know you are as well michael yeah, I, I was when we first started talking about it. I'll be really honest and think, "Oh fuck, what is this going to be like?" Um, and I must—I think I've been a bit nervous all day actually, because it's now what uh, uh, seven thirty in the evening here in Australia, Saturday night, and I've been doing a lot of stuff in the workshop, and that's been going through my mind all day. Mm. Um, and yeah. you know talking to Vicky yesterday about it you know saying that we're going to be doing an episode on this and you know are you okay if I do if you know certain things that you know um you're okay with if I mention this so getting her you know um okay and yeah um there's so many things that go through my head and I can't distill it down to one to one right now because the conversation that we had was around how how infertility affects intimacy. If <laughs> all right, I'm going. I'm going to go out on a limb here. So there was there was nothing better than a Saturday afternoon. You know, about one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. We were younger, and you know, you'd look at each other and go, "No words." Just go, "Yeah, right then." And it'd be time for a, a Saturday afternoon matinee, and, <laughs> and there was nothing. There was nothing better than that. Spontaneous. Just it was just the two of us, and awesome. And then you go through. And I know I'm speaking to the converted, but then you go through all the treatments and everything else and the magic just gets taken away. And I know speaking to Vicky and some of the comments that we've got about doing this show and the chat we had last night where it has, you know, it, it really affected Vicky in a way that she began to hate herself because you know, she she just, yeah, getting pregnant was just such a thing for her and she just couldn't 
couldn't learn to 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 love herself and just hated herself and um yeah that so sad you know such a sad thing because i as a guy never i never ever thought that way never i i never thought that you know just because we're not going to be parents that that you're no less of a woman you're no less desirable it was never ever entered my mind and it really upsets me greatly you know as i immerse myself into into our community that 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 sits there because i think i can speak for most guys and they would say the same as as what i've just said Hmm. i think it's difficult i think I, I guess guys have got their viewpoint of it, uh, especially perhaps if a, if a guy has the infertility or perhaps it's both of you, I might be a bit different, but I think I really chime with what Vicky said. I really, really struggled. So it went from being something that was fun and that I really enjoyed to something that became a monotonous going through the motions. You know, I sometimes you'd even fake it just to think oh you know I just really want the kid this is the ultimate goal and that really sort of puts a wedge between you and your partner without them realizing it because you are just going through the motions Mm. and then you get spat out the other side and you have various feelings about your body and it not fucking working and you're like do I, can I get, can I cope without sex? Actually, maybe I can, because it's just, it's taken on a different, uh, you know, a whole different meaning. It's not fun anymore. It's not going to give me what I want. And it takes, I think it takes time to kind of learn to like yourself enough to actually go, mm. actually, I quite enjoy it. I do quite enjoy sex again now, because I'm not striving for something I can't have. Mm. But that's not an overnight like that. You don't suddenly go, oh, all right, I'm okay with the fact that I'm infertile. I don't think I ever will be. Um, but, you know, it fucks me off enormously. But to deprive myself of sex, just not something I think I could do. And I hope Jim's all right with me talking about this. <laughs> check. But, but that's kind of that's kind of the journey, isn't it? It's kind of, it, it goes from something that's lovely like a bonding to something that's absolutely awful and quite traumatic yeah yeah and 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 what you said sarah vicky said pretty much word for word she says yeah there were days when i was just trying to i just i just wanted to get pregnant it wasn't about us it wasn't about you know the connection the intimacy between the two of us it was just about seed and I, I want the seed, and that took me a little bit of time to get used to, actually, because, you know, you, you um, you like to think that it's it's, you know, it's a it's a it's that moment where you you know the two of you you know obviously you know show your love to each other and and that intimacy is is extremely important for you know your the continual growth of your your relationship, and that really. Yeah, that really hit me, actually, I'll, I'll be honest, and it took me a while to get used to that. And I'm good now, but I think, you know, I talk about um, 
uh, it took a decade for us to that path to acceptance. And this was a major, major part of it. Like after, after the IVF thing, depression, there was, a, I think there was quite a considerable amount of time where we just didn't have sex. Cause it was just like, yeah, we just both couldn't face it. And we had to then look, you know, learn again to be intimate with each other without that, you know, that thing that came between us, so to speak. It took a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of almost like an unsaid as well, isn't it? Because obviously yeah. you talked about the guy's perspective and the, the woman's perspective. My perspective was very different, you know, in terms of sex became this this thing that I just had no interest in for a while because I didn't like myself. You know, I naffed off with my body. Why would I want to share it with anybody else? Mm. So I think, you know, bless him, Jim sort of was very patient with me while I, you know, went and sorted myself out and it took time to get used to wanting it again. You know, it's. I think I don't, I don't know if people share this, but I found that actually almost the urge to want sex as well becomes upsetting. If you see what I mean, you kind of... Mm. You want it, you biologically you want it, you want that touch, you want that intimacy. But actually, I was I felt so low. It's like, well, why do I deserve that? So in the end, it's kind of, yes, I wanted it, but it was kind of actually I'm gonna I don't want it. If you see what I mean, it's kind of like the body oh, versus the yeah. brain. And Vicky, it was really and again, Vicky said exactly the same thing. She said, I actually felt I didn't deserve to feel good. And just, wow, that's heavy, that's heavy shit, you know, that's, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, I'm a bit lost for words right now. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, it's really tough, I think, I think perhaps the reason we don't talk about sex is because it's an, another, another loss, kind of a way, isn't it? Most definitely, most definitely. Never thought about it like that, but yeah, it probably is. It is. I mean, I a lot of what you said correlates to the conversation that I've had with my other half. Um, we just sort. I don't know. We just sort of. It was odd. Slightly different. I don't know if it's different or it's the same. Or it relates to somebody, but I sort of went through a period of sort of great sort of. I don't know. I want to sort of use the word abuse, but in the sense that I, I just started drinking too much for a while. So we, we had, I think, at the very beginning of our relationship, I found I was pregnant and then miscarried, and that happened a couple of times. And I thought, oh well, I've got time. You know, they were upsetting, but time. Mm. And then we got slightly towards that bit where oh we're going to need help and I'd had miscarriages before and it wasn't necessarily confined to to this relationship but before so I knew there was something wasn't right but kind of just stuck my head in the sand thinking oh well I've got time it'll be okay and then the closer we got to the bit where I, I ended up going to different doctors and things and being poked and prodded around. And I think it sort of dawned on me at some point, oh God, 
you know, it's going to be IVF. And I went off the rails. I literally went, I, I, I ate all the wrong foods. I drunk too much. I went out and um, partied quite a bit um, without my husband. Um, never unfaithful, but, you know, I certainly was aware I probably wasn't perhaps keeping maybe the best company in the world. And gained weight, lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, lost lots of weight, gained lots of weight, lost weight, bounced around, you know, all the things that actually you shouldn't do if you want to be healthy and, and conceive naturally. So I was kind of punishing myself in kind of ways I shouldn't have punished myself in because actually I thought that if I actually put my husband off enough, we won't have sex, therefore I won't go through the bit where actually I miscarry because then I won't conceive and that'll be fine, it'll be okay, you know, I can deal with that. I'd just be just that repulsive and awful that actually, you know, and... Um, sort of testimony to my husband that actually well the time of recording this although it'd be past then is that in the 7th of September we actually together for 25 years um but that's a bit of a miracle because of I think you know been through probably more than we've all been through our listeners have been through more than perhaps we all should do individually and that was kind of my attitude to things and he sort of hung on and then after all of the IVF happened and um it it failed me. I just want to make that clear. It failed me. I did not fail it. It failed me. Um, I think we sort of stopped talking to each other, actually. We didn't say anything about it. You know, we, we had a big kind of, obviously, there was all the falling out at the time of, of the everything. And I can remember when we, when I knew that, God, <laughs> when I knew that it hadn't happened and it had, well, it, it took and I was pregnant and then <laughs> miscarried again and we went away to Wales and I can remember following him around like a like a lost sort of sheep um literally we <laughs> were going to this place and he had bread pudding and custard I hate bread pudding and custard but I thought I'll have bread pudding and custard I didn't I couldn't make a decision for myself I literally lost the ability to make a decision about anything at all and he was sort of throwing out all my medication for me all those sorts of things and literally just having to sort of herd me around literally um and yeah, I just was incapable of doing sort of anything, never mind sort of thinking about anything intimate or having a conversation about sex. And so it just sort of died, I think, because he was affected. He was worried. His words for me were he was worried he was going to hurt me. That was what it was. He was worried he was going to hurt me in some way, emotionally, physically, something. He worried about that consistent just because I suppose I'd kind of fallen apart so often. And that was kind of why we ended the IVF, because I literally physically... And I think more importantly, mentally, we kind of agreed, but didn't agree. But it came to sort of like a conclusion in that way that sometimes you sort of come to these conclusions that actually I wouldn't be able to cope with it anymore. And that was kind of where we sat and we didn't, we didn't, we, you know, we did have sex, but it wasn't the same. And I still had those fears, those hang ups, because it wasn't the, for me, it's not the getting pregnant. What I needed help was was afterwards was the, the support to keep the pregnancy because my body just thinks it's an infection that it has to fight. My immune system's a bit um, screwy like that. And um, that kind of was the worst bit because I was still obviously avoiding it. Um, and I couldn't deal with the thing of, oh, well, I've got to go on the pill. 
because that just felt so odd and so weird and I couldn't cope with that in my head. So mentally, nothing kind of joined up together. So it was all a complete and absolute fuck up, really. Um, and I think, yeah, just loneliness, actually, that I, I, I know I'm conscious that the three of us here have partners and there'll be people listening who are not in relationships. And I sort of want to sort of reach out in some way to people because it's so fucking lonely, that bit afterwards, that gap when you're sat in your silos trying somehow to work it all out. And I... I think that's so hard as well. That's so really, really tough too. Um, yeah, it's 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 connection, isn't it? It's not just sex, it's that connection with somebody. And I think that probably is why I kind of went off the rails a lot because I was completely lonely, actually. I didn't quite know how to sort of say to, to, to feel attractive because I was broken. Um, to feel worthy, to feel like actually numerous times I said to said to my husband, well, go and find somebody else. Because we've got an age gap in our relationship that doesn't actually affect our fertility. It's me, not, not, not him. Um, I sort of feel like I'd let him down in so many ways. That, oh, you could be off on a, you know, like on a, on a cruise with someone of your own age. And you, you know, you, you've kind of reached a point where you sort of want to give up work and I'm still working. So I'm doing one thing, you're doing another. We're living these sort of parallel lives of doing different things. And um, yeah, I thought, oh God, I just let you down. But the difference I think for us was that my, uh, um, I keep saying my husband, my husband Ticker, I don't know if his name, Kenny, um, whatever his real name, Ticker is what I call him. He's always known as Ticker. But he, he said to me that um, actually it was just the icing on the cake. It would have been nice to have had children, but it wasn't the be all and end all, which I think is so, such a relief when we finally had that conversation. But it took, a while we had we'd got adopted the dog by then I think of everything in dog years but we'd adopted the dog by then so god that must have been at least I don't know two years after a year two years after I think maybe two years and maybe another year after that it was on holiday and we just literally everything went into meltdown um and I can't think why um I don't necessarily think that it was caused it. It just was. And I don't think I have a solution to, to things, but I think loneliness, conversation, isolation, they're all words I kind of want to pick out that are probably as important, if not more important, than actually the word sex, because that's only one thing that kind of is with everything else. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think part of the struggle I had about this, you know, this episode was that, it's not about it's not about the sex because really yeah. it's about the intimacy. Yeah, it's about the loss of I'll call it the magic. You know, it's mm. it's that, like mm. you say, Sarah. It's another loss. Mm. You know, I think you've actually put it perfectly, excellent. Yeah, it you is. Know, that's it. that's it. It's another loss, and I think it, you, you you can kind of. I, sort of controversial it's a bit of a controversial statement but it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately and other stuff I've been doing outside the podcast and about the similarities that the bits that polarize us from people who are parents and the bits the similarities and that you know I think anyone that turns around and says that you know oh, the sex life is great all the time constantly is a, is actually a liar because we're all affected by so many different things 
um, you know, and with with parents, it's birth, it's having kids in the house. Um, and I kind of find it quite insulting sometimes that actually that's not understood that actually what we've been through is as life-changing, bigger life-changing in this whole idea of having kids is life-changing. Yes, it's not life-changing. Of course it's life-changing. You know, you have these responsibilities, your life changes, but likewise, none of us, whether we've arrived here because of life circumstances, by circumstance that is, or by medical, physical, whatever, why we're all here listening to the podcast and being part of the podcast, it's life-changing absolutely utterly life-changing and continues and stays life-changing all the time because I don't think there's not one of us who hasn't thought okay I can just about hang on here but I can remember all the times when I've suddenly felt myself pulled up sharp and literally it's almost like a physical reaction to it where I think oh god no I'm oh no I'm not I'm not that person now I don't have that potential to be a mother now it's gone which is both alarming but also sometimes it's a little bit okay well at least I know that because the knowing not knowing is sometimes the worst of all you're stuck in a hinterland of of well maybe I keep trying maybe I go out and find someone maybe I go and just you know maybe someone out there might be able to do this for me or maybe there's a solution that hinterland of we're kind of going into trying to conceive and steering away from childlessness but there is that thing I think you can't talk about sex without talking about trying to conceive and that hinterland of trying to conceive is god it's awful it's just hideous I think it's so much worse and so heartbreaking almost compared to being childless it's I was commenting on some on someone the other day about this you know I work with people that are childless, not by choice. And it's kind of, I commented on it and said, the reason I do that is because I don't want to have to engage with that part of myself again that was trying. Mm. You know, that sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I fail. Mm. Yeah, hope, fail, hope, fail. Mm. And I said that for me, when I look back, you know, I had a, a line in the sand where it all went, no this ain't happening mm. and I, I I guess I, I kind of think about those people that weren't able to meet somebody and it's the what if the what ifs and maybes that must be the most difficult bit so not just the loneliness it's like well what if I'd done something different what if I'd what if I'd met somebody what if I'd compromised and that must be a really fucking shit place to be in because at least mm. okay I know my body let me down but I've got that line in the sand and I've got, I've not got any what ifs or maybes. Mm. So that must be, I'd say that must be harder. Mm, I think so. I've, I have friends who are in that position who are coming up to their sort of mid forties and it's trying to, it's, it's keeping in touch with them, but also just seeing the choices they're not actually choices at the end of the day. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's heartbreaking. I, I can't, I kind of feel like I've almost sort of been in my situation too long to, 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 um, to, to know and to, to, 
to give that full empathy that you 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 try to give because but at the same time thinking that I've got well-loved friends who are quite lightly heading into the same community as us is oh it's it, you just want to fix it and try just you just, I just, you just don't you can't you cannot do it but you I I see it I see I see some of the you know the the, the free willing and, and the wheels falling off in them that I feel in in what I'm my past stuff you know I, I you know, falling off the wagon but then I had someone to go home to who was surprisingly unjudgmental about that but I also see people with so much grace and care and peace not not peace but there's turmoil there but they, they do this so gracefully and that almost hurts as much you know to see that too because it's yeah you're right it's those compromises mm. you think that's you know what makes someone else worthy of somebody else for what actually is ultimately a very very personal um act a very intimate act we use that word intimate before and i think that's it it's incredibly intimate particularly i think if you are you're saying it's all about the seed it's all about conception then you're yeah it's it's who and what's their role and if it were if it worked if it worked hmm. what would what would the outcome be and maybe perhaps somewhere in all of that conversation is well have we lost sight of what happens if it works because I know I did I got to that point where I thought well actually I can't quite remember what it was like to have the urge to be a mother I lost it somewhere it comes back but I also kind of lost it somewhere because I was so focused on I was focused on the end goal of getting pregnant, but I hadn't got to the point where I could think beyond nine months, you know, about being a, a, a mother. And I actually got to the point where I thought, well, I probably don't deserve to be a mother, but actually it was my husband who deserved to be a father. Um, my parents deserved to be grandparents and my brother could be an uncle. And those were the things I thought would be, I didn't actually then start to think, oh, do I deserve, you know, I, I didn't collate myself. I never actually, I think for a long time, and maybe still sort of bits of me now, think I never actually quite saw myself as being a parent. Um, I lost that because I was so focused probably on the, the it working somehow. Mm. Somehow it would work. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, um, God, it's also complicated, isn't it? Yeah. Michael, you look like you're going to say something. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just going back to when you said, Sarah, about the, you know, the, the single people around us. And it just, for me, I think about um, the, uh, I, this may sound quite, rude and disrespectful but it's not meant that way but when you know when Vicky was going when we were doing IVF I have never seen Vicky more driven in her life than when she was going through that I have and we've had this conversation so it's not like I'm, I'm being disrespectful for her and she said well that's because I wanted to give it 
every chance I could. I couldn't live with myself if if I had doubt at the end of it. You know, and I think it it must, you know, for those single people who who just didn't even get the chance to have that situation, you know, to 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 give it the best they had, you know, must be. I've got no, I, my vocabulary fails me. I just can't think, you know, what it would be like for them, you know. But, but um, it, it also brings me to another thought about the, you know, that again, that loss of intimacy where you just become a machine. That, that's what Vicky was like. She was just an absolute machine. And yeah, it, it took its toll. I think I feel like I felt like I was really a, vessel, a vessel. I think I felt like a vessel at parts where I, I felt like I'd been stripped of every part of me. There was nothing left to, to be intimate about because, of course, there were people. I've been to all these clinics and it felt like everyone had seen parts of me. You know, that wasn't just the, the parts. You know, you, you, you're going through, you're going through general anaesthetic. And you're feeling, I hate that kind of, not that I don't, you know, obviously everyone hates general anaesthetic. No one goes up and does it for fun or um, sedation, but it's just oh, that would. fact that you. Sorry. But... Yeah, you were. <laughs> total, total sensory deprivation. I love it. It is good. God. Every time I've had general anaesthetic, it's never been for a very good reason at all. Um, yeah. But I think. That vulnerability that you have when you go through something like that with the sedation that I had at the on the last go it was like vulnerability and I hate that I hate that loss of control mm. it's awful it is just terrifying and I think that was sort of it I had to turn off everything I had in this sort of quest in order to disengage from myself and I know that you guys have seen me do it and I've done it so many times where I've drawn this line across from my, my neck and I literally, because I, 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 most people probably know this, but I did an open university degree whilst, whilst going through IVF um, because it was a, my brain was working. I had a bit of my brain functioned um, because the job that I was in wasn't fulfilling, but I stayed in it because I thought, well, at least I get maternity pay. And yeah I just studied because I thought that would kind of maybe I would seek some sort of connection I suppose and I guess it was yeah disengagement so actually you're right Michael it is that complete sensory depth you know literally turn everything off become this machine become a vessel whatever you want to to call it you disengage with disengaged with sex literally disengage with it it becomes a thing it's over there we have to do it and here's the timetable and it's like now and going back to opportunities as well was that we were fortunate that we were able to have that opportunity well fortunate I don't know I, I don't regret what we did we tried but at least we could because we paid for it because we didn't have treatment. There was no treatment here. It wasn't on the NHS at the time. Um, so we had to pay for it. But that also caused this great chasm because Ticker was working. He did all the hours that he could. The job that he was in, he got paid overtime. So he worked Saturdays and Sundays. 
didn't often come to appointments because if there was overtime, he took it because that basically paid for um, the treatment. You know, bits fell off the house because we didn't pay for. But we you know we we couldn't afford to do stuff on the house, so we were living in a in sort of a you know a house that was sort of falling apart to a to a degree. And you know, and these it, it all has an impact. I think um, somewhere along the line, and it creates more isolating. It's not just it's again it's that communication and the isolation that that comes about too making those sort of decisions and um, you end up sort of sometimes doing alone when you really ought to do it together I remember kind of that I don't want to sort of go too much into IVF but I do remember kind of like when they did all the things like you know the embryos go back and we were we were in it's just so kind of crazy but we were in this in this room in this clinic in in, in Bourne Hall which has a great big ballroom the ballroom at Bourne Hall is a long story but it's like oh my god I'm in a in ballroom in Bourne Hall you know with all these other people and what the hell am I doing here um but yeah in the clinic and we had the, the embryos go back and you can pick your music so what music would you like oh. <laughs> what what the fuck I don't I don't know I've got no idea what like you know kind of like yeah let's get some Barry White on come on <laughs> are all standing around but they did they gave you the choice of the music and you were like I don't know <laughs> whatever it is I never want to hear it again I could not tell you what oh. it was because we were just like no we don't know but apparently that is a thing that people do ask so a great respect to you if you've done that but I was just so thrown by it and all I could think of at the time was like you know Barry White or something oh, I don't no. know a bit of Marvin Gaye <laughs> sexual healing it was just like oh this is just so strange and of course it becomes then this weird sort of thing I'm sure that I'm right with that account you know you think god was I just too whacked out of it at the time on Christ knows what medication did I but I'm quite sure that they asked us we had done a few times I'm quite sure that's an accurate memory of that I'm kind of interested if anybody else has, has had that memory too but it's something I just remember from that too Oh, I remember it must be a thing for like I don't know if you pay for it. I mean I this is different it's dental but they said to me what music do you want while you're having a root canal and I was like oh for <laughs> so I said to him I'd like Metallica please and I made him made play the whole fucking Metallica album the black album I was just like for fuck's sake music what are you talking about it's just, it's just I, could, I do remember not listening to music though when I was grieving just as a no. digression I couldn't listen to it I listened to um I had nothing in the car at that holiday in Wales and we were kind of all falling apart I don't remember listening to any music I couldn't because I knew I'd associate it with it um isn't it strange I mean it's sort of with so we're talking about sex and intimacy and people sort of go oh well you know you're, you're childless that just means you haven't got kids and it's like there's so much more to it than that isn't there when you start yeah. sort of just edging around the surface of it it's like it's not just that the loss of the children that we were meant to have it's all the other stuff that goes with it and people don't see it do they there is so 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 much more we could i'm gone for hours i think about this because there is just it's just huge should we yeah. look at some of the prompts because we did have people that came in and and sent us some comments yes um as well so on the, do you want me to read them out? Shall I read them out? I'm going to read them all out anonymously um, because I think that's respectful um, to those who have um, done so. And thank you ever so much. It's just 
actually quite gratifying and reassuring to know that actually people are listening and also have some comments that have given us some prompts but also that people feel the same as us yeah. too and this is um somebody who's sent something in on our emails and said that it's quite early days since my husband and I have decided to stop trying with IVF I'm nearly 44 it seriously affected my mental health we decided to put our relationship first However, I find I've lost all sexual desire and drive. In the nine months since our last IVF failure, we may have had sex twice, maybe three times. I just don't feel anything that way. I have no desire or excitement that way. I know it's partly because I hate my body. I feel useless and disgusting, but also it became so clinical during the four years of trying, I've forgotten how to enjoy it. I don't want this to come between us. I need to start to try to rediscover it and like myself more and feel desirable. How have others got through it? I really thought this was just me. I don't want a sexless marriage in my mid forties, but I feel useless at sex. Thank you for discussing this. My voice is starting to wobble because God, I can relate to so much of that. I really, really can. I'm actually just, yeah, really can. I know what you mean. Well, I mean, we kind of talked about it before, didn't we? We all said that we've been impacted by it and the loss of that the magic mm. as Michael called it but I guess yeah. there are no it, I think it would be crass of us to sit here and say well you want to yeah. do this 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 and this yeah um, because it, it's deeper than just it's not it's not it's not just your physical is it it's, it's all the other stuff as we said it's the mental and the liking yourself and feeling that you deserve it and that takes time it's a certain degree of forgiving I think as well yeah, this strikes me from the, the letters of useless and disgusting. When actually, I, it took me a long time to work out that I don't days when I think that still, you know, despite the podcast, despite kind of other things, you do get days and you think that. But I think it's that talk an awful lot about healing in our community, and there's no magic wand because there's so many different ways to do it and the things that I kind of like poo-pooed before and thought that's not going to work did actually work got me somewhere but I think it's you learn to grow around your grief and it's a grief the, the loss of as you say that word the loss and a loss of an element of a, of a partnership of a marriage and a part of your life that you had before that will never really will never really be the same um and there's no magic one that you say to sort of come to terms with that but for me it was about god it's 10 years and still work in progress of actually connecting my mind up with my body again and feeling worthwhile a good ex- you know, feeling that I had I meant something to somebody even if I didn't know that that was myself and that's tough but I think a lot of it is around communication and talking and sharing and that can often make can make things worse before they get better did for us particularly and I we got worse before we got better a lot worse literally to the point of splitting up worse before we got better and that's scary it's a scary place to go to it is because on top of losing 
the children that you wanted the sort of losing your relationship as well is mm-hmm. really yeah. fucking terrifying well I'd say the same we got worse before we got better because I didn't want to talk about it and I recognize you know that disgust word when you thought like oh, yeah I, I don't work um so I recognize it and the connection of the brain to the body again is just so important I did the same I, I always call it living from the neck up so mm. like, that's what I did I didn't engage my body my body was just something that I inhabited but it takes time and it, it takes being learning to be a bit gentle with yourself as well because it may be something random takes you back to liking yourself so it could be something you did as a kid or something that you enjoyed before the shit show happened but yeah. it's personal to you so for us to sit there and go do this do this do this I, that just won't happen but you you will find it mm. you will find what works for you mm. i think sometimes exploring some of the groups that there are around and what other people are up to and role models yeah. as yeah. well that can help i started um yeah just yeah i think looking for other role models positive role models just to give you just a little bit of a clue that there's life after all of this because i think if if one's life has been so wrapped up in the trying and in people around you who have tried and quite likely maybe have gone on to have a child then you end up in a place where it can feel very isolating but i'm looking at other role models out there who sit with their grief i think rather than deny it but sit with it and they are yeah, you have to sit and exist with that. Yeah, not easy. No, it's not easy at all. I, I wish sure. our listener well. I really do. Keep I in touch well, with this. I hope this helps. The fact that we, yeah. were, even before we sort of read out your, your mm. lovely words and your your pain, that you realise that we've, you know, we've all been through it and we all chime. We've all talked about it. Mm. Yeah, maybe good days, bad days. Yeah. Um. But it's very, very personal, that road to recovery. Definitely. You and and your husband as well and how how you are. And I, I hope Michael's words from male perspective help as well, because I think that that actually helped me this morning. You know, that you know, yeah. we're not viewed differently. If we are, it's a temporary state because it's, it's both of you grieving different ways but it's still a a shared grief that was an uncomfortable pause don't worry we can cut that out (laughs) (laughs) just makes you think though doesn't it it makes you very reflective i think talking about this yeah it does Uh, that's all i'm doing right now is just just yeah what does it mean for me you know thinking back about certain circumstances at certain times I should say um yeah and like you say it's it's, when I when I first heard that um that message you know that bloke part of me is going right now this is what you do and then (laughs) and then I've got to stop stop you know what just it is a it is a real personal journey but um if i if i think about my experience or our experience i should say um 
communication was a lot of that. Mm. It was a lot of where are you sitting right now? You know, and um, yeah, like so part of our recovery was 10 years on the psychologist's couch and you know, I don't think we ever talked about intimacy then, but it gave us the courage and the tools to talk about it, you know, in, in, in our own private time. And, um, and, that, and so that's why, you know, I can talk about those things that, that I said earlier, that, you know, because they are things that we have talked about. And um, for me, again, it just, you know, that I think the, the loss of intimacy is extremely underestimated. It's extremely underestimated. It's not just a case of like a date night and buy some sexy underwear, no, <laughs> which is, no. which is I've seen advised on so many times in yeah. track. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember who it was. It was something that I'd read somewhere on some pointless magazine when I used to read magazines and now I don't. Life's so much better when you don't. But it was, yeah, someone had said, you know, been through all this stuff you know date nights and invest in yourself and buy some nice underwear what the hell you've never been through that yeah exactly it's about it's you know from you know where we sat it's about well first we've got to love yourself yeah Yeah. you've got to want to go into the underwear shop in the first place that sounds like some kind of like metaphor but it, it is it's 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 the the getting out of that that's what I could have just just thought this time was you've got to get out get out of bed get dressed maybe put a bit of slap on get out of the house then you've got to try somehow to negotiate your way to the underwear shop to make a decision to buy something how the hell on nah and as for a date night that's just oh god that still makes my toes curl in a really horrible way it's also, I mean, I mean, you know, I've got scars all over my abdomen. I don't really, you mm. know what I mean? I still feel funny about my my mm. abdomen being smothered in scars. I, you know, I sometimes look at it and think, oh, God, that looks awful. You know, I don't like looking at it. And I think, I wonder what my other half thinks. So it's not, you know, me putting on a bit of flashy underwear is not really going to solve my issues with my, no. my appearance, is it? It's not, not really. Whatever no. bollocks that is, pardon my friend. Pardon my French, sorry. Before we, before we start swearing, shut that out, Michael. That's some racist. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, actually, no, no. This is actually this is actually a good com- this is actually a good conversation from a positive perspective. I think mm. because I, I think it's important that um, that you know you've said you know I wonder what my other half thinks about that. Mm. Mm. He probably doesn't see it. No, I guess not. And look, I know this might sound a bit flippant, but um, have you ever seen, what's that movie with um, Pauline, what's her name? Um, is Educating Rita? Oh, okay. are, you think, are you thinking of Educating Rita or Shirley yeah. Valentine? No, it might be Shirley Valentine. So the one the where Greek, she goes to Greece. Oh, yes, yes I know that, that one. one. I want sex, so, sex, and sex, and sex in the morning, and sex for breakfast, and sex for and, dinner. 
Shirley Valentine, yeah. I knew it was one of those. And 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 she is petrified about getting her belly out because she has stretch marks. And what he said was, and I'm not trying to be, I don't want this to be flippant, but he didn't see those. He saw a woman, a real woman. You know, so I know we said we wouldn't, you know, give advice, but I just want to give from a male's perspective what you, you know, um, yeah, I would, I don't want to put words in your husband's mouth, but I would pretty much Michael believe said. <laughs> that he probably doesn't see them. Oh, fair enough. You'd have to be blind, but yeah, okay. I mean, no, I'll but, take, no, but I'll it, take the view that you're sort of saying, well, it's what's important they're, they're, to me. They're part of you. Yeah. But they're not important to him. Okay. I'll they, they, they are not there to sway his decision about if you are, you know, um, it, that will not sway his intimacy. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be, you know, without getting too crass, but. No, I know. You know, it won't sway him. Mm. They're not important to him. Mm. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm generalizing, sorry. So I don't, don't want to make, you know, make no, it sound like I'm, apologize. you know, but I, it, that's the way that I would feel, mm. you know. It's more about, it's, it's about the love that you have for somebody as opposed to kind of the it, physical it thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And and so, what might be, what might be, absolutely, and rightly so, important to you, Sarah, Mm. may not be important to him because he doesn't see those. Interesting perspective, isn't it? You know, it's. it's, Have to ask him. Yeah. Never actually asked him. You know, because there are things that there are things that Vicky doesn't feel comfortable about about her own body, mm. and yeah. So, I guess it's, it's a, that's it's a, that's that's not what it's about. I think it's a female thing, isn't it? We kind of all oh, have so. this ideal body, and when we don't, it's kind of, yeah. that becomes the focus. I become so yeah. self conscious of my body because I was probably the first first girl in our school to to wear a bra you know and I very much very conscious of that really really self-conscious I think even to this day of having curves and actually actually to be honest that's an awful lot of the reason why I sort of hid behind to wear my dad's old jumpers and stuff at at school you know sixth form and stuff like that and at uni just to kind of like hide myself away but I've had a huge difficult relationship with with my body so drawing attention to it and saying to Kenny well you know does it matter you know these things that that, that make up who I am and actually we've had that conversation and no it didn't because I thought the reason that we stopped having sex was because he went off me because he stopped he internalized everything didn't want to talk about it because he thought anything he said would come out wrong yeah Um, (laughs) <laughs> way that sometimes they do um but actually it was 
ultimately when it got down to sort of really talking about it, he was just worried he was going to hurt me. Yeah. It wasn't he'd gone off me, you know, despite, you know, all the stuff that I, I put us both through. He, um, they hadn't gone off me. It wasn't that. And, it's, and, and actually sometimes these things are incremental. It's not like we suddenly woke up one morning and all got old or we woke up all one morning and suddenly, you know, there were, there were these scars or it wasn't that, you know, I woke up one morning and was suddenly dramatically under or overweight. Yeah. They're incremental, therefore they're not so obvious. What we think is, is, is happened overnight because our memories can play all those tricks on us, you know, and the whole journey of, of going from one point where sex was fun and you got carpet burns um, to where it becomes difficult is incremental. It's yeah. it doesn't happen in there's no one night oh that was the last night that we did that and it was fun. And there wasn't actually a point that comes that it's a gradual incremental thing that sort of happens and maybe there maybe there's an argument to say that it's a way of capturing that and going okay well we're getting to that point where it's getting clinical or we're getting to that point where actually this is not fun anymore and how do we how do we stop that and I think benefit of hindsight would say oh yeah okay we can do that but actually truth is I think if you we all went back to I don't know those years and lived through it again god forbid um we probably wouldn't you wouldn't catch those moments you just don't um no yeah, you don't realise it's happening. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, I'm starting to formulate this idea in my head, well, no, from experience, that I'm sure there was a period of numbness for quite a long time mm. because, you know, we've we've identified that we have this massive loss and then, you know, um, how you you know, get to the point that we are all at, be it, um, you know, medical or, or IVF or, or circumstance. But, well, I'd, I'd like to hear from someone who's circumstance. But, um, you know, there's a there's that period of numbness where what does this all mean? And like you said, Berenice, that then you start to feel isolated. You start to feel alone yeah. because we don't have a – we don't – even in a couple, you just not fuck. How do we work this out? How do we, where do we go from here? Um, yeah. Charm so much. I mean, there's. I've got so few memories of that period of time. Um, yeah. You know, I've got little snapshots of oh, this happened, then this happened. You know, and I remember sort of talking to people about it and saying, well, that happened, then that happened, then that happened. And I thought, I don't remember anything else. Yeah. I don't have mm. any memories at all around that time. You know. You know, my counsellor head says, well, that's a trauma reaction, but it's, it weirds me out how little I remember. So mm. sex was the last, uh, sex and intimacy were the last things on my mind. Mm. Because you're like, you're, well, I'm shut down, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to survive at the moment. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Most yeah. definitely. And, and I think that that communication part is, you know, it's about rediscovering each, rediscovering yourself, yeah. rediscovering each other, but also, you know, being open and honest with each other so that you, you know, you all understand where you're at so that then you can start to rediscover that intimacy. You can get through that numbness, mm. but also the conversation that we've just had about, you know, how, 
how do we view each you know we've gone through this traumatic time in our life and how, how how do we view each other now so you can get that you can get that straight you know so um you know so from my perspective you know i i, I knew it was important to to so that you know vicky still felt you know desirable felt you know felt like a you know that was coming across sexist but you know felt like a woman and yeah. you know all those things and, and they I, I saw that as my role in this but again those tools were gained from you know the help that we got yeah. i'm not saying that you know i'm some you know carl jung that's come out of it straight away but um yeah those tools to communicate were because you can i'm sure we can all imagine that that if you get stuck in that phase of numbness then it just gets worse until something breaks i think even last year i was probably in some point with that too because it's not i i don't think you sort of suddenly get to a point where you're you're okay um pandemic i think is a contributory factor to that but sort of very much aware that at some point during the course of last summer i was sort of starting to get sort of into bad habits and then i've actually been calling it reclaiming i actually called it a reclamation of, of who i was before i'm not who i was before that's that's probably the wrong thing but reclaiming something back by by actually just thinking okay what matters and yeah, I've, I've dropped so many different things that I used to do that I know were quite bad and just in trying to come to terms with my grief as well. And it actually was a conversation that I had with um, Bindi Shah, who was a guest on the podcast a while ago that was partly to do with that when she started doing the meditation and about the self-care, what contributes to self-care. And I'd realised that, you know, sort of not neglecting those things, but hadn't really termed them as self-care. So just reading a book, having a bath, all very simple self-care things, going out in the garden, you know, doing something that you want to do, you know, going meditating, yoga, that sort of thing, self-care. And I thought, oh, OK, that's where it, it is. And actually just taking some time away from from everybody else to do something for me mm. on my own that involves nobody else whatsoever. I'm not relying on my husband. I'm not relying on the dog. I'm not relying on friends. This is me doing something and just actually being OK with being alone. Mm because I got very bad at being alone. Um, if I was here on my own, I had a lot of time on, on, on my own because of my husband working silly hours and things. Um, and I got, I didn't get, I didn't sit with it after a while. I couldn't do it. Whereas I used to before. So I'd go out, you know, and spend money on pointless things I didn't really need. And just getting used to perhaps you know, not doing that, but also being okay with just, just sitting and being, doing a bit of self-care. And the meditation certainly helps and connecting everything back up again. So I felt in a position where I could reclaim who I was, but also get a bit more comfortable with the fact that I've lost weight. And I'm, I'm actually smaller, thinner, less weight than I had before I started IVF. And that's been really weird. It's been really, 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 really odd and strange experience that I can't quite yet articulate. I don't quite know how I feel about that. But I've got to sort of this time of my life where I'm thinking, oh, I'm okay, I'm acceptable. 
but with that comes a bit of kind of self-flagellation about the fact that why didn't you do this earlier to um, this living around the grief I suppose of everything not thinking you know growing around it as opposed to it sort of dominating who I am but it's a weird feeling brings up all sorts of weird issues about things about you know perception of oneself as well it's it's odd Do you want to go to our next prompt that we had? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is one from a from a so it's a friend of mine who is a parent wanted to ask. She said it's simply that it must have been very insulting to have people commenting and offering help. But in a previous podcast, Berenice mentioned having a man offer to help father her children. But has anybody else experienced that and how does that make it feel? Is that actually a common thing that happens to people? I can't speak for everybody else, but um, it only happened once. How'd that make my husband mean? I, was I got insulted, I didn't tell Kenny. There you go, it's a very simple answer, I didn't, but I suspect it probably happens maybe quite a lot. Um, and it's very insulting because it's private. I don't know how this person, I forget the context of it, whether they actually knew because I'd said or or something, I don't know. Or they made an assumption. I forget, I doubt I would have told them. I can't imagine telling them, but you know, word word gets around. Maybe people start to make those assumptions that they do. You've been married for a while and oh we haven't had a kid, you know. And maybe they, they make two and two and make five. Or in this instance probably did make four and then made an assumption that was uncalled for. But yeah, I know I didn't tell him at all um that's not fair but it was very insulting very rude they're not in my life anymore but i don't know how common it is yeah i, I don't know i think if anybody had said that to me i would have smacked them into the middle of the next decade i think that's just outrageous isn't it i think it caught me unawares i was just like life you know we all we'll do that we always think Oh, I'd have done this. I'd have done that if I'd have thought about it. But I was so gobsmacked that someone would even have the audacity to say such a thing. I think I was just floored by it. Oh. You know, I I really thought, did I hear that right? Did I actually hear that right? That someone is commentating on, commenting really on on the fact that actually, technically, you're, you're a not doing it right, and b my 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 sperm's better than you. And I think the insult that the wide just said was that I wouldn't think that you were capable yourself of fathering anyone slightly sane, something like that. You know, what the hell would I want to do that for? You know, God, unsuitable person. You know, if that's what you think. You know, it's it's not that simple. Wow. Reflected like, with all these comments, I think they reflect far worse on the person that makes them than the person who receives them. I guess so, but, but it's just yeah. such a triggering thing, isn't it? I mean, uh -huh. I don't think, well, I'll be honest with you, I don't think anybody would have done it to me. I was really spiky when I was mm -hmm. going through this. So if someone had come up to me and said that, they would have got a mouthful, but mm. I just it's just the presumption of it. Mm. Like you said, the triggering of it too, because it was one of the few occasions where I did go out, um, you know, as Vicky and Michael probably, no, well, no, it's IVF clips your wings incredibly. 
you know you, you can't go out and do things because you're always sort of doing something and you've got to get back home by five to stick a needle in your in your stomach or something mm-hmm. so you know often go out and then when you do you've got to avoid this trigger thing so yeah it was one of those things a very brief kind of going out and then um then thought well it's not going to go out again because people are shit <laughs> mostly mm-hmm. what do you reckon Michael? i must admit that comment that comment doesn't surprise me mm. um I'm trying to rack, I'm racking my brain about if anyone ever said that to me, but um, where I previously worked, it was a totally male-dominated environment, um, and you know, if we if we're talking from an educational point of view, you know, we had quite a range of people. Um, I think that's probably a nice way of putting it, and so it doesn't surprise me because I can imagine guys flippantly saying something like that Hmm. um i'm not making excuses for them Uh, it's 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 not right but um but what what i i remember a time when at this same place i think i was talking about you know that how difficult it was for vicky and i and the best someone could say to me was Mate, all I've got to do is put me trousers on the end on the bedpost, and she's pregnant. You know, and oh, it, yeah, it that ow. that, ow, that ow, bit that ow. bit hard. And so, is it is it is it just because people? Is it? I was just I was thinking. No, look, he obviously doesn't understand. Hmm. You know, I, I don't think he was in a place of malice, but um, yeah, look, again, it's just another facet of how important it is for our community to try and educate um, those around us that these flippant remarks can be, you know, can be um, quite incisive and, and, and damaging. Yeah. But I think also it's talking about them just goes to show that, you know, both you and I have experienced something like that in different forms, but it's not that unusual that they are these, these idiots, these dicks out there who do say these things that they really shouldn't be saying them. And actually going back to what we were saying in the podcast, you're not alone. Yeah, it happens that people do have these judgments, and I think that's kind of my friend um, was saying. It was, <laughs> I think, uh, when we we shared these comments just before we we were doing the podcast, and so we had some some time to reflect ourselves before we talked about them. Um, and my comment to to Michael and Sarah was, I think she means random advice from people, not that I'm propositioned, because <laughs> that's not what it is. It's just random random advice. I think that's what it is. It's. It's almost that bit where I think some people don't quite remember to take the, or the, the brain doesn't quite engage with the mouth somewhere along the line. And sometimes you see it, I think, with keyboard warriors. But sometimes you do actually do meet people that do say these things. And yeah, there is an engagement, I think, with that. I don't think those sorts of people listen, but maybe some of them do. Um, it's mm-hmm. nice to actually have a comment as well from someone who actually is a parent who... Um, can see naturally but actually listen to the podcast so we are making those um bridges as well so two more to go do you want the next 
prompts that we've yeah. got through? Let's go. Okay. All right. We're on a roll. We are, aren't we? Putting the world to rights. We're doing well today. Um, second observation was from a business coach who said he's realizing how rude an internet is to start intros by saying one is a parent. It's like saying I've spread the fruit of my loins. Ooh, that's interesting. I, I do think that I have to someone who does inhabit kind of these these worlds of of kind of like networking groups and things for my own business. Um, and I think it's probably something we'll talk about in another episode. I think we'll probably talk about this and maybe on on the Saturdays well, Charles, that we're doing the, the webinar about working it out. But um there is that thing, isn't there, of like, you know, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm trying to think of the name now because I can't use my own name. I'm Emma and I'm the mother of three. I've given birth. Look at me. It's like the car sticker, isn't it? You know, the you know, on the back of the car. Um yeah, it's a bit, isn't it? Look at me, I've done this thing. That said, though, it's not always obvious what the journey to parenthood is. It could be adoption. It could be other means. It could also be someone who's been through IVF as well. So it's not always quite so simple. But it does, you know, I think most people do say that kind of, you know, yippee and fertile. <laughs> I think it's difficult. I was talking weirdly, randomly, to my hairdresser the other day. And he hmm. was talking about... Um, so he is a parent and he was sort of saying for for guys, he said, you know, most guys in the UK, you get together and they start talking about football. It's almost like mm. a, what do they call it? A lingua franca. You know, it's just a, yeah. it's, it's kind of assumed that everybody's into football. And he said, I can't stand football. I have no interest. And so he said, when a guy starts whittering at me about football, you know, I switch off or I change the subject. He said, it must be the same for you when somebody comes up and goes, I'm a parent of blah, blah, blah. How many, you know, have you got kids? Mm. It's kind of a, a lingua franca moment, assumption that everyone has kids. Mm. So he said, it must be difficult for you to then sort of stop that because then you lose that connection. Because he said, you know, the guy that's into football will generally go, oh, and either turn away or, you know, fold his arms or they'll come up with something. But he said, going from kids to, no, I don't have children. He said, I can see that would cut the conversation dead. And it's also creating a judgment as well, isn't it? Because actually you're revealing something of yourself, which is either we had sex, it didn't work out. I don't have sex or I couldn't have children because something's broken. Or yeah. there is a you're you're saying something yeah. about yourself. And I think that's always been my reticence is that I I don't answer people with that now. I, I, it depends on kind of what sort of mood I'm in as to how kind of like shirt I am. Sometimes it's, well, that's a bit personal, isn't it? Um, or sometimes I'll say, no, my children died. Um, or which is an awful thing to say, actually. But I just think, come on, just, just you know, it depends on irritating they are. Um, I wouldn't recommend that one, but I tend to just, I yeah, I thankfully quite a few groups that I belong to now where because I, I I'm open about the fact that we've got this podcast and it's what I do and people can listen if they want to um people get to know that I don't and the narrative has changed you know yeah people I mean, don't do that now I, I I would actually would leave groups like that now I've made this decision as well that you know these award schemes that they have and if there's a if there's now a category where it's got a mother category um then I, I just don't want to get involved. That's it. Goodbye. Don't want to kind of 
support that kind of narrative anymore in any way even if it was like you know award for another category um i just don't do that anymore it's now if i'm asked or commented on then no don't do it i don't want to because i think it's just buying into a narrative that shouldn't be encouraged anymore we're, we're, we're women we're you know when we're, we're not mothers there's no I better language better language out there to use i'm just not interested <laughs> i just don't care you're going to sit there and and bond over being a mother I, just, I have no fucking interest I've, I've i've left groups for not because of award ceremonies but because they're just like all they talk about is their kids and it's like there's no room for me here mm. i'm not i remember going to go to a wedding once with some people at uh, the landlords of our local pub and they had a, a great wedding you know it's in their pub um but i can remember my 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 husband went off with all his mates you know, talking about football, you know, they'll work together at some point as well. So they'll have their conversation and I'd worked with them too, because we'd all been in the same thing. And um, I got sort of sat with with um, the wives, you know, and the children. And um, when I went and talked to the men, because I knew them better actually, because we'd worked together, um, I was seen as some sort of threat even though actually I was had my husband, thinking, um, do you think I'm that easy? You know, and because I hadn't had children. And at that point, it wasn't obvious. We hadn't said a word about it. It just wasn't. So there I was married, but to then maybe I'd have seen it sort of slightly fertile, maybe slightly loose cannon because I was younger. I fitted nowhere. I fitted absolutely nowhere in this wedding party at all. Um, and actually ended up, suppose been mildly vaguely sort of assaulted by um someone there who got a bit drunk and had a thing about um big tits and it was awful whole thing was awful i'm just going home just thinking i just didn't fit anywhere in the world because i couldn't talk to the guys you know eventually my husband was there and he came and sort of found me but he'd left me to go and talk to them and i would just have to be in this position where i was on my own and it wasn't that i this guy groped me without um without my husband intervening it's just that he wasn't in the room he was somewhere else um luckily somebody else intervened but it was well I intervened you know it was like do that and I'm gonna fucking you know <laughs> yes there's parts of you that are vulnerable um but again it's you know he was a, he was a married man kids you think really you know just to prove the point that actually those that do breed aren't always the most intelligent I think but it was just awful situation to be in because they just didn't fit anywhere because you're also seen, I think if people don't know your story, you can also be seen perhaps maybe as a threat too. I think mm. that's also something if you're not public about these things. Um, nobody's business really, actually, at the end of the day, I don't think. No, it's probably not. Mm. Sorry, I went up into a different or di- digressive rant there. It just come back to me. I just thought, yeah, I remember that. All right, I'm not traumatised by it. It was quite nice to get angry and just to, to, to knee this known idiot. Known. It was very known to people as being just particularly awful. Um, but yeah, to be able to sort of give him short shrift and a bit of a knee in the, well, rather violent knee in the bollocks, but still, um, he deserved it. Yeah. Mm. I also had heels on, quite spiky ones, was able to um, do some, possibly some damage to his foot. He was limping anyway, which is nice to see. Personally, it was. It's, Actually, the emotional side, all joking aside, yeah, the emotional sort of impact of that. Again, that isolation as well. I keep coming back to that too. Yeah, that's why it's important, I think, that yeah, 
not that I'd want to sit with them again um, and share anything like that with these women but I think also just to sort of realize that not everyone's on your side actually life's too short get friends around you that do support you that you feel comfortable with um yeah last one then about sex and connections oh, oh. we've kind of done yeah. that We've done this in a way. I think last season, not about sex and but connections and building what was lost, engaging with each other as part nights. Is it as easy as date nights? No. Um, is it? Is there anything you've done that's not sex? It's not expecting you to share that much detail. Thank you. Um, that's helped to build bridges. Is it self-love, self-worth? This is from um, someone who listens to our podcast. Identifies as bisexual. I'd like to say mm -hmm. date nights, um, and I'm not known for my romanticism, so um, I think it's a load of bollocks because <laughs> it takes me right back to being that machine. It mm -hmm. takes me back to being that. Okay, so Vicky, remind, uh, Vicky reminded me, she says, make sure. You get in there that the time when you have to say to your boss, I've got to go home and shag the wife because it's it's the right time. So I've got to go home from work. I lived about 20 minutes, well, 15 minutes to the car park, 20 minutes to go home. I won't embarrass myself and say how long it took, but <laughs> then, then, then back to work. And, you know, <clears throat> you know the, as I, you know, I said earlier, the magic goes. And that date night thing just triggers me straight back to that. Mm. It's a mechanical thing, you know, that that doesn't have any magic in it. It's it's not that, you know, Saturday afternoon matinee that I've I've talked about. It's it's it it's yeah. Sorry, I, you probably get what I'm talking about there. Um, so yeah, date night. No, from my opinion, avoid it like the plague. So what has helped you and Vicky build bridges that's not to do with sex, but other things that you have done? Did I just go, hey, like that? Hey, hey. You did you, hey. Did I? Hey. <laughs> oh, no. oh, it's like my teacher at school going, hanks. <laughs> I was so like, oh, my God, I'm not going to say. Tickle said to me, said, you're going to do the hey. <laughs> Everyone does. Everyone does that. On me. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I did that. I had to do it once. Anyway, yes, yes. Answer the well. question. Shall I show my question again? So, what else did you and Vicky do that was not sex <laughs> that built bridges together for you? And then we'll go around and we'll perhaps share something um, between all of us mm. around us. Um, again, yeah, just, just just being able to talk that that is the most important thing from my perspective you know so it's it's like so you know when she is at her lowest and saying oh, you know I'm not a woman I don't feel like a woman and just saying that's not what I see there's a there's a quote that I pull out now and again that I'll stuck I stick onto my social media um, I like to think that I made it and 
um, it's around, you know, uh, uh, the intention is as a woman saying, all I see is flaws. And the reply is, well, all I see is beauty. And it's, it's that it's it's being able to get it's being able to talk about that it's be, and being able to love yourself to take that in and being able to go at least in your own mind thank you you know that that take that in and tr you know and trust trust what comes your way because you've been through a lot you've been through a sh load of shit and you find it really hard to to trust, you know, yourself, those around you, that just life itself, it, you, you need to be able to trust what comes, yeah, trust what comes your way, yeah. you know, and, um, and, and that's part of that communication, you know. It's being able to say, and it's being able to say, yeah, okay, you, you, you look, yeah, you might see a little bit of belly fat there, but that's not what I see. I see, I see, I see a woman, and they're my examples about that communication. It's about, and and that doesn't happen overnight, but you know, it, it it'll work eventually. That communication. Oh. I'll shut up, or I'll just ramble. No, that was great. I love that because it is about building up that self esteem again, isn't it? When it is the other person's just absolutely crumbled yeah it is and and it's i guess too it's also to recognize that you know it's it's about the you know when you know when you've got that numb period where you just you know you've lost i don't know for some people it could be years of their life it's about rebuilding that back up like you say your own self-esteem it's it's fine it, it, i don't want to use the word finding yourself because I don't like that phrase, you know, but it's about recreating yourself, mm. you know, and yeah. um, I think that can work for both in different ways, uh, you know, for, for us all, be it single, be it a partnership. Mm. Obviously, yeah. it will be different, but, yeah. 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 That's my takeaway. Love it. Yeah. Shall I go next? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm, I'm just you're thinking I've no idea what to say, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it? <laughs> follow, how, how do we follow Michael? Uh, what he what he said. <laughs> I, I think mine mine sort of ties in a little bit because I think the self-esteem is so important. It's not just for sex, it's like for everything, yeah. isn't it? If you've got mm. You know, I remember hitting rock bottom and it, that's the realisation when your, your self-esteem just gone, there isn't any. But I think for me, uh, and I, I kind of for couples, maybe for, for people that aren't in a couple as well, it, I think it was sitting with the, the sort of sitting with the fact that actually not everything has to do with sex and intimacy, kind of rebuilding yourself and your partnership and getting in touch with what actually is, is enjoyable because everything becomes... Well, really grotty and dirty, doesn't it? When you've come out, been mm. spat out the back of something, and you, you're numb, you're struggling. I think it's finding things that were that you can actually engage with. And for us, I mean, it sounds weird, but walking around zoos became a thing. Um, 
because it was just removed and yes there were kids there but we try and we try and plan it so that it was you know to get their first thing so it wasn't busy but it just became something that we could kind of just kind of engage with but not too deep you know what I mean it was something that we could do together that we enjoyed on a very sort of basic level and just building up from there really it was not doing anything groundbreaking or earth shattering like trying something new it's just simple pleasures and that's kind of I remember us doing that a lot we don't go to zoos now so much but it became a thing for a long time actually you know I think um sorry to jump back in I'm on a roll but no, you've reminded me about the whole travel gig thing that we that we can all really enjoy. And that that is it too. That that is just a simple pleasure. But it's also away from everything. It's something totally different. It's yeah. away from everything. And um we were in a position where we could do it. You know, it's not everyone's cup of tea and and you know, um may not be able to afford it, but now I think about it, that was actually a massive, massive bonus for us to be away and to actually be normal again, if that makes sense. You know, so um, one of the things that, that, that I think about is, like Vicky's quite shy and, and, and timid, so she's not one to start a conversation with, you know, strangers. But when we go overseas, she's someone else. And so um, shops in America, um, uh, buying pizza in Rome. Uh, and remember, Vicky's a true skippy, so she's only ever spoke, you know, Australian. She's not spoke anything else, but she had a go at getting pizza in Rome. Um, you know, when, when we come to the UK, my sister's always saying, Vicky, we don't do that. We just don't talk to strangers in the shop here or things like that. But now I, now it just makes a lot of sense that we've just been able to be us, away from the baggage that sits around, you know, here, if that makes sense. Completely. I think that's what the zoos was about. It's kind of... Yeah removing ourselves looking at something else and sort of parking yeah. all the bullshit that had been around yeah. us for so long oh i love that i love that we've both got an example that sort of marries <laughs> yeah we might be onto something yeah hell yeah <laughs> right your turn Come, no pressure <laughs> oh god i don't know <laughs> i don't know i have no idea um i i'm gonna i thought maybe the dog is a part of it maybe i think actually I think probably Molly is a part of everything because we were sort of, well, <laughs> I was like, I want a dog, I want a dog, I want a dog, I want a dog. And Kenny's like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, but actually, I think I'm just going to go back to what I said before, which is actually starting to sort of know myself a bit more and actually coming out of that and starting to, to, to know me and to sit with being on my own and not having to sort of worry about that. On And I do get days when my, my, I, my thoughts go a bit wonky and I'm not great at it um still but I think trying not to be scared of those thoughts and trying not to get too kind of carried away I think for me holidays aren't sort of a thing I, I find them always I find them difficult I think a lot of miscarriages and 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 holidays were kind of around treatment so I find that 
difficult and I sometimes find that actually going away and then coming back not that I, I don't dislike my home I love my house very much and I love where I live very much but I find it sometimes difficult to come back so I was kind of and I still am sort of work in progress I think on on where I am here because the to me the 350 60 days whatever that you live where you live for me was important to have a, a sense of peace with that before thinking about going away and doing other things um but Molly makes that easier in some respects because you know for, for me actually just a real simple thing of just going up to the beach with the dog walking on the beach with her and with Kenny and we do things like we look for I look for turd state shaped stones for my my goddaughter um as well we we collect um turd shaped stones and stones with holes in the middle as well we get quite uh, you know just stones with holes in the middle we call them holy stones um someone that i know who is quite deeply religious thought that we'd actually meant they were blessed stones they're just stones with holes in the middle but we call it the holy stone collection um so stupid things like that but just where you sort of end up with this sort of sense of humor i think you know and try and sort of find something that works and in fact some of those beaches are beaches I walked on in my lowest state and just trying to reclaim a bit of that back um but I don't know that I've got anything sort of magic that that helped us maybe in a way perhaps the pandemic did because we were forced to have to sort of sit and do stuff but um every day at half three we unless there's football on or something like that then we'll go out in the garden um with the dog as well to spend some time out there and that's kind of like a thing guided specifically by a howling hound who will not let us um rest until it's we've been out in the garden and we've done these things so that's something that's kind of brought us together but i don't know there's anything much um i think a lot of it's still sort of related to sort of mental health and recovery really and i you know i think that's all part of it but and finding a bit of peace um weird stuff reclaiming bits of the house redecorating parts of the house um i can't remember if i must have said it on the podcast before um about the chairs in the living room and realizing that the chairs are actually quite a big trigger for me and having to reclaim back the house a bit from where it was before still work in progress but you know just actually that was very cathartic to do um mm. although i am eyeing up another sofa at the moment i've got a bit of a sofa crush going on a bit worrying that but anyway um but yeah you know that whole kind of idea of just claiming back some of your your house and getting and almost like a sort of an, an exorcism i think of some things as well is good because kenny said you know, if we did move i might those ghosts would probably stay with me this is the thing yeah. and i didn't i remember him saying that i'm thinking yeah there's no guarantee that if you kind of upended yourself and went and go oh i want to live somewhere like i don't know in Cornwall or somewhere the sea or whatever not that I'd want to be there right now I have to say with current sort of you know stuff going on in this country but that sort of thing of of changing your life doesn't necessarily mean that you lose those ghosts so I think coming to settle with those ghosts and coming to settle with your grief and and just more stuff so for me it's more my work work on me has made me probably a little bit of a better person but also recognizing as well that that I've been through a lot and not dismissing that because I think we've, I think, you know, I've been very dismissive in the past. And then when 
you know, various points when I've got the paperwork out because it still sits here in the house. And I really must get rid of it. But I've got all of the paperwork out. And I thought, God, that is a load of paperwork. But every single sheet of paper relates to something that happened to me. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and recognising that. And also, actually, dare I say, being ill for other reasons and having um, Ticker look after me for other reasons and not just around um, related to... Um, fertility treatment and when he's been ill looking after him so you're looking after each other for different reasons because then you can then actually that sounds a bit weird doesn't it not that I wish anyone ill but actually you learn to care for each other in different ways and that actually it isn't all about sex and it's okay if sometimes you have sex and it's not really good that's okay too it's not the end of the world it doesn't matter mm. it's not like that doesn't matter um, and not being too scared of that and also just if it isn't right you know, it's not the right day or there's an anniversary or something's happened that day, being open about that too, learning to have those conversations because it's not going to break something. Breaking it's probably forcing yourself to do things when you don't want to do it. It's being a bit kind to yourself, as you said before, Sarah, being kind. You know, we, we, you know whatever reason we end up here in this space, it's because we've been through something whether that's life, well, it is, it's all life, isn't it, actually? We've been through life, and we've probably been through an awful lot more than most people have, and actually coming to terms with that in some way is also really important too. That's all I've got to, to say. I'm so That's not a very good answer, because I still feel like I'm so much work in progress. I really do. I can't say there's really any one thing that's made sort of us, us as a couple work other than yeah communication I suppose then just actually just you know just having a connection each day you know but ultimately I think thinking of people who don't aren't in relationships it's 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 about forgiving yourself being kind to yourself recognizing that you know if you have been through IVF on your own understanding you went through that on your own and god you're bloody brave you're amazing whatever reason that you are here in this space right now with us is that you've been through something you you have individually you and for some of us it's with somebody else and it's a lot and just understanding that because I think people can be so dismissive as Jodie says about disenfranchised grief people be very dismissive of that incredibly dismissive but don't be don't dismiss that grief. Yeah, I think I'll be quite interested to see um, what our thoughts are when we've sort of taken this chat in for ourselves and and reflected on it because, you know, we start, I, you know, like I said, I had, you know, washed my hair, smelt good, thinking, okay, we're going to talk about sex. And it's just... Preparing for a date, weren't you, really? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Vicky was laughing. I said, no, I've got to trim my beard. Hang on. Got the David Beckham deodorant on. Thank God it doesn't make me speak like him. But <laughs> um, but it's been such an interesting conversation. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's and it's it I'll say intimacy just has tentacles that ripple into so many places mm-hmm. in it in our lives because of who we are. Mm -hmm. it's been an extremely interesting conversation i've really Um, enjoyed it yeah yeah 
and and then look by all means if um if it is anyone here that'd like to talk to either you know us please get in contact with us i'm more than happy to you know again tell my, tell my experiences if it if it helps someone Same like as, you say yeah. too it's, it's yeah. a very personal journey that i don't mind talking about of course yeah yeah i think it's it's just talking i think just starting that conversation i think yeah. that, you know i i think we've 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 started now um <laughs> we'll finish in a minute but you know we will <laughs> what do you know what <laughs> sorry <laughs> I was watching Mastermind the other. Have you seen New Mastermind? Um, no. Uh, what's his? Oh God, I've forgotten his name. Clive, Clive from the BBC News. Uh, he's amazing. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, we started. This, sorry, we started this conversation now, and I think that actually you can cut that bit, Michael. Um, we started this conversation. <laughs> you won't. I know you won't. But please. Um, but we can revisit this conversation. I think once we've had this conversation, this was the hardest part, you know, that thing going on. But now we've had that conversation. I think it's something that I think we do need to revisit. Like all, yeah. there's so many topics. I mean, we, we're so booked with topics. There's so much we're talking about in the next um, six months. Um, there is, there's loads that we're talking about in the next six months. But, you know, we will come back to it. We keep saying we'll come back to lots of other topics as well. We will, mm. though, because this is universal, regardless of of gender, sexuality. It's universal. It's it's the thing that I think we have in common that we need. And I, I, would, I would actually, now, now we've had this conversation, because, you know, I was quite open before about being very uncomfortable having this conversation. I'm, I'm, I would be open to have you know a, you know guests on it as well, so yeah, we can definitely. you know definitely you know make this conversation a lot more richer. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll yeah. be up for that. I think I think it's so it's so important. We we acknowledged it when we said we don't talk about it, and then we realised yeah. we don't, do we? No, as a, as a community. You know, and when we think there's been some you know quite quite um, lengths of silence in this chat. Because, like you yeah. said, Sarah, it's it's telling of of how difficult it is, mm. um, and it's something that you know the three of us are not used to talking about together. No. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of stuff. You know, yeah, so it's we are, uh, yeah. definitely important. Things that have actually been very, very personal, but skipped this entirely. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It's been interesting, I think. Yeah. No, it certainly has. We will revisit this topic again, but next time with some guests. As you've heard, it's a deeply interesting discussion, and we need more diversity next time. So if you're interested, please let us know via our website, www.thefullstoppod.com. And we also have some other great news that we forgot to mention on the show, that Berenice has been shortlisted for the IPSE Freelancer Awards for 2021. Sarah and I have everything crossed. We know how much Berenice's work means to her and how hard she works. We wish you all the best, Berenice. Now, of course, we always love to hear from our audience about your opinions or suggestions on how to improve the podcast. Or you may want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And you can find all those links on how to contact us at our website, www.fullstoppod.com. We would also appreciate it if you could rate us on the platform you are using to listen to the podcast 
The more ratings we get means the algorithm will make us more visible and we can reach more of our community that are feeling there is no one out there that understands. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. There was me yeah. thinking I'd need to go for a cold shower afterwards and, you know, totally different way of thinking about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder you were nervous. Performance anxiety. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have anything there's... to say there. <laughs> <laughs> You've been overthinking this so much. It's oh, hilarious. No. Bless you. Oh, I think that's that's lovely. I honestly, that was brilliant. I think that's a really good episode. Yeah, it was fascinating. We went in so many different directions, didn't we? And-